This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 144. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here finally with my bald, beautiful co-host, Christopher J. Graham. How you doing, my friend? Oh, hey. I'm doing great. How are you, Brian? I'm doing very well, trying to still get over my burnout, but we'll see where we go with this. How's the uh, COVID recovery? Are you 100%? Dude, I've been... Where have you been? I've been 100% since like the last three episodes you and I recorded (laughs) together. (laughs) Well, I mean, but I've heard there can be like lingering stuff. Yeah, no, I mentioned this like two weeks ago on the podcast. So this, the episode we're doing right now was recorded hours before the two episode series you heard the last two weeks. So this is a little weird timing wise, but I'm going through like a burnout period right now. I think the burnout is a lingering effect of COVID. Like my brain is just kind of dead by halfway through the work days. So like I'm trying to get over that. And maybe by the time this episode actually airs weeks from now, I'll be well over it and can talk about going through burnout. Like one of the worst burnouts I've had since 2017. Whoa. But other than that, I think I'm fine. That's intense, man. It's not like anything crazy. Like business is still doing well. Everything's fine. I'm just burnt out. You're not like having panic attacks and you weren't like recently diagnosed with PTSD or anything like no, that? No, 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 nothing like that. That would be <laughs> only a weaker man would succumb to joking. <laughs> Can't joke about that. Uh, well, yeah, I just got back from vacation. Which, let me stop you there. I had no idea you were going on vacation. You just stopped showing up for- Oh, I told you. You just stopped showing up for podcasts. I'm scrambling and like, I guess Chris isn't doing a podcast today. I guess I have to come up with an episode. So like the last three weeks, four weeks- you haven't been on any of these. I'm sorry. I went to Western Michigan, a little town called Sagatuck. Never heard of it, but I looked it up whenever you told me about it earlier. I think I never really fully understand how large the Great Lakes are, but this is on one of the Great Lakes across across the Great Lake from Chicago. It's an ocean. It's like the beaches look like you're at the beach, except you don't have massive waves, so it's actually way nicer. Sometimes you do get massive waves. Really? Oh, okay, cool. Not enough to like surf on. You wouldn't surf in the Great Lakes, would you? No, no, you would not. But I had this amazing experience. My middle son, Jeremiah, really wanted to go fishing. And we'd been fishing before, but we'd never caught anything. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> me and my dad, dude. We went on a weekend fishing adventure when I was like nine and caught nothing the oh, entire weekend. I know how your dad feels. It's rough. Yeah. So I took Jeremiah right to downtown Sagatuck and we're like fishing in the channel there. You didn't like Google? Like you don't have an excuse now. You can Google how to catch fish in like specific areas, what bait. Oh, I did. I did. Okay. Okay. We were going for a bluegill. So we're in the channel. The bobber starts going nuts. And Jeremiah hadn't really figured out how to set the hook yet. So like I set the hook real quick, handed him the rod. He starts reeling it in, gets his first fish out of the water. And this lady that was like sitting behind us, there's like a lot of people around us. It's like a park. And this lady starts clapping for him. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. And then her whole table full of people starts clapping. And then like this gazebo full of people stands up and starts clapping. And then a giant like paddle wheel ferry is driving by us full of people, they all stand up and begin applauding my son. And it was just like the best. That's like an amazing moment for a child. How old is he? He's seven. Oh, that's an amazing age for that. He'll remember that for the rest of his life. That's so cool. He'll probably think it's normal to get like a standing ovation when you catch a fish, but no, it's not. Son. Oh dude, it was so, I wish I had it on video because it would have been like a YouTube sensation. It was so adorable. And then we threw that fish back, but we caught another one that was the biggest bluegill I've ever seen. And I fried it up for him back at the house and it tasted good. 
It was delicious. Dude, my wife and I watched this documentary called Given. Have you seen this? It's literally just travel porn. I've seen a movie called Taken. Is it related? No, no, it's Given. It's the opposite of that. It's just a family who's together through like 10 different countries of travel. And it's like kind of a narrative documentary, but it's through the child's eyes. So he, this little four-year-old kid narrates the whole thing. It's really Aww. cool. But it's just really well shot. The story's not anything crazy. Anyways, the dad continuously throughout the whole thing just catches fish and like guts them and fries them up and stuff. And so I'm like, now I've got to learn to do that skill. Except he catches them with a spear. He doesn't do a, a that, fishing pole. I've always wanted yeah. to go spear fishing. Yeah. That would be so awesome. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about today, Chris. Right now, you may have heard of this thing called COVID-19. And this episode is aired a few weeks later. But right now, we have over 4 million cases in the U.S. So it's like a cesspool here. It's disgusting. We are incapable of socially distancing ourselves. As a matter of fact, I drove down Broadway just for fun on Friday night, which Broadway's our super busy street here, four blocks from my house. And there are signs out that flash mask required by law. Must wear a mask. And yet about one out of every five people that were shoulder to shoulder piled onto Broadway downtown Nashville right now, about one out of five had masks on. So we had a meat market downtown Nashville. And no, none of those people are from Nashville, by the way. Every single one of those people are tourists, but it just shows you the state of our country. It's a train wreck. So I don't see COVID-19 going anywhere anytime soon. We are stuck in this for at least the rest of this year where we cannot leave our own country. We're basically like, I think the last I checked, there was about 20 countries you could go to with an American passport and that's quickly dwindling. And the countries that you can go to are mostly Bahama countries and some Central American and some that you can't even get to because you have to have layovers in countries that we're not allowed into. So we're stuck here in America. And most of us have been stuck at home. The biggest problem that gets to is other than our own mental health, we're not really seeing our friends, we're not seeing our family. We're definitely not seeing our clients. So our relationships, for the most part, tend to be dwindling. And I know you know this for sure, Chris, but this is a relationship business. And so if you're incapable of building and maintaining relationships, so getting new relationships, fostering the old relationships, it's going to be a tough road ahead of you, especially for those of you who are trying to transition to something online. So most people have to do their work online now. They're not doing in-person stuff. And those that are doing in-person, who knows when the laws change or when the city rolls back to an earlier phase where you can't even have people in your business again. So again, we have to find ways to build and maintain relationships online. So how do we do that in the COVID era? That's really the basis of this episode. How can we build relationships with people in today's age where COVID is the new normal? How do we do this? And we have a few thoughts today. This is not going to be probably a super long in-depth episode, but we're hopefully that you, you come away with this with some ideas and some inspiration that yes, you can still build relationships. Yes, you can still maintain relationships in COVID era, despite the fact that you really can't see people face-to-face, at least in person anymore. I think one of the beautiful things about this concept as well is we have to consider what is a post-COVID world going to look like? What things have we changed? That's an entire other episode Yeah, that might be fun to do and be extremely speculative, but maybe we'll do that next week. Well, but here's the point is the ability to build and maintain relationships during COVID is going to pay off after COVID. I think I've mentioned this before, but you know, this remote producing thing, this remote mixing thing, working with remote studio musicians used to be, you know, people did it, but it wasn't like the most popular thing ever. Yeah. We had a uh, remote producing or remote songwriting kind of, we, that was like a out of left field idea we had for like business models. Like last year we had that episode come out and it was like, yeah, all of a sudden it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It was like back then I was like, I don't know if I want to add this to the outline and you're like, no, we're (laughs) going to do it. And now it's like, you don't have another option, but to do that. So now it's like the things that were weird last year are 
essential this year. So who knows what it'll be next year. But well, and my point here is I don't think that a lot of people are going to be like, oh, man, remember back when everyone did remote session work and then everyone stopped after COVID-19? I don't see that being a thing. It's normalizing certain behaviors that are going to open up new business opportunities. Let me say that again because it's important. COVID-19 is normalizing new behaviors. I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> Which creates new opportunities. It creates new opportunities. It creates new opportunities. So learning how to adapt now is going to be beneficial in the long run. And that's really exciting. So the reason this episode is what we're talking about today is Chris and I were talking pre-episode, we were planning this about his coaching thing. And I was just talking about how it's, it is really hard right now to build and maintain relationships. And Chris is like, oh, I have no problem right now. I'm doing these free coaching calls for people. And that is like building great relationships with potential clients. And I was like, well, okay, that really does work well for your coaching business. But how does this really pertain to our audience? And I was thinking about it. And the genius of the free coaching call is this. It is both lead magnet and relationship builder. Mm. Really cool idea. So I was thinking through, how does this translate to the studio world? And one other thing to think about is when you've built a relationship with someone, price is much less of a factor. That's one of the biggest benefits of actually focusing on building relationships. So if you actually spend the time to build these relationships with people, you're going to be able to command a lot higher price than you normally could. So this is an episode that is absolutely going to be relevant to you for more than one reason, more than just your mental health, more than just finding more clients, you'll also be able to charge more if you take the time to build these relationships with people. A lot of this is theoretical, right? Meaning I have not done this with my studio. I have. Yeah, you have. And so we're going to talk about those things. But we were thinking through like, what is both lead magnet and relationship builder for the studio world? And we were thinking through typical use cases. So mixing engineer, mastering engineer. A lot of people are doing those services right now. How can we both attract people to our business via AKA a lead magnet while also building a relationship with people? And it always comes back to a phone call or a Zoom call of some sort. Chris, you're talking about how when you looked last year or a few years ago, really before the podcast was a huge source of leads for you, you were looking at your time on phone, how much time you spent on the phone was directly correlating to your income for that month. The more minutes you spent on the phone, the higher your income for the month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I used to have a really intense advanced metric system that like took all the numbers from my business and put it in this crazy spreadsheet. <laughs> Leave it to you to overcomplicate something. Yeah, I, it was way yeah. overcomplicated. But one of the main things was like, you know, in this little spreadsheet, how many minutes have you been on the phone over the past 30 days? You know, there's a caveat here. If I spent 2,000 minutes with one person on the phone, that's not good. I would generally cap out at about 10 minutes per phone call as far as mastering clients goes. And I would find the more minutes I spent per month, the more I would make. And it's tricky because it would challenge me to think, Chris, come on, this isn't, you're not being efficient here. You need to focus on mastering faster. Well, yeah. If you listen to this podcast, we talk about working on your business. We talk about like finding ways to create efficiencies. And so the technician brain thinks I don't need to get on the phone, especially for a mastering engineer where you're doing high volume. You're doing dozens of projects a week or per month. You're doing a lot of work. You can't afford in your technician brain where you're thinking about efficiencies and systems. And you're not thinking like phone is being an efficient form of spending your time on something because you're spending time on one client, so much time on one client. But the reality is the opposite. This is one of those times where the relationship building aspect mattered more than the time savings you would have gotten out of avoiding getting on the phone with the client. Yeah. It was really simple because the more phone calls I had, the more people hired me. Yep. So what I eventually started doing, I've pulled back from it slightly, but I might re-engage this, is that the call to action has been fill out a quote form 
But right at the top of that quote form, do you want to talk on the phone? You literally put a yes, no on there. Do you want to talk on the phone? Exactly. Yeah. So what I'm trying to pitch to people is like, hey, I'm available. I'll talk to you. I want your opinion. I want a relationship with you. If you want to, that's the big key. Because not everyone wants to get on the phone. Some people are very like socially awkward and never want to get on the phone with you. So the beauty of your system is you give them the option of getting on the phone with you in this situation. Well, and it's schedule call. So for those of you that haven't heard us talk at length about this, I use a piece of software. It's really inexpensive called Acuity. Acuity syncs up to my Google calendar and I can block out times and say, hey, here's when people can book a 10 minute phone call with me. And when they're filling up the quote form, it gives them options, especially if it's more than one song, it gives them options to schedule a time to talk to me. And it's nice because I can pick when I'm available And I'm not like sitting in the mastering studio and like the phone rings, I press stop, I pick up the phone, I talk. That doesn't work. So what you're doing is you're using your technician brain in the systemization side of you to turn that inefficient process of talking on the phone into an efficient process so that you get the best of both worlds. You get the relationship building aspect of getting on the phone or on Zoom or whatever it is that people prefer to do. You like the phone, I think. I prefer Zoom. I like the face-to-face, but you're creating efficiencies around that so that it's not an inefficient process so that any minute you spend on the phone is high leverage. Yep, exactly. And so, you know, one of the key ideas there is there's a diminishing return the longer you talk on the phone. You know, one of the most famous kind of sayings in sales is make the sale and then shut up. And what a lot of people did and what I used to do is like you'd make the sale and then you'd keep talking and then you'd lose the sale. Yep. And so I would try to focus on like build relationship, build relationship, build relationship. And then for a very small amount of time, talk about logistics and then try to close the sale and move on. And, you know, if it was a situation where there were revisions or, you know, miscommunications, phone's way better, way, way, way better than email. Yeah. And I feel like once you've been on the phone a few times with people, you start to spot those redundant conversations that suck time, like how to prep files, how to, how to send files, like all of these things should be just in some email template you have or a PDF you send their way or some sort of automated thing that you give them after the phone call that you just say, okay, I think we're good to go. I'm just going to send you an email after this and follow up with the way things need to be done from this point on. And if you have any questions, you're always welcome to reach out. That kind of thing. You could wrap up these phone calls yep. much more efficiently. But this, just to step back for a second here, this episode is not about how to make these phone calls efficient. It's not necessarily even about getting on the phone as a mastering engineer for people who are already interested in your services. To me, this episode is about how do we get people interested in your services and build those relationships. And so my brain went back to an episode I did a few weeks ago, how free work fits into a healthy audio business. That's episode 141. And we talked about using free work as a source of a lead magnet. So as Chris Graham uses here, he uses his free test masters as a source of getting clients. We talked about mixing engineers doing free test mixes for people as a lead generation source. But we thought about this. How can we get people on the phone in this process? And that left us to some ideas when we were kind of brainstorming this episode, Chris, where we talked about instead of getting a free test mix, perhaps you're doing a free pre-mix review with somebody. Yeah, You're going over the session with them and getting on the phone and looking over their session files if they self-produced it. Or... If someone else produced it, you're just having them send you a mix and you're giving them feedback. Even if it's just you doing a Loom video or something where you're just talking through feedback, just the act of you spending time and talking through something to someone and sending it to them, even if it's not live, that helps build a relationship. That is a very highly leveraged way to build a relationship with someone where you're talking through your thought process on how they can improve something or the mixing or the recording engineer or whoever you're working with, how they can actually further make these files better before they send them your way for mixing or for mastering. Funny you should mention that. I just changed the way that I've been doing that with mastering. What I used to do is I used to outsource mix feedback 
to one of my mix engineers and he'd make a video before mastering and walk him through changes. What I decided to start doing, and I literally just last week started doing this, is I took Loom. Loom's a free little app. There's like a $10 version that you can get, which I subscribe to. It's a fabulous product. And it lives in your little menu bar up in your Macintosh computer. It makes it really quick to make a screen recording. Wait, are you using a desktop version of that app? Yeah. Like you installed it on your computer? Yeah. Okay, so I've never, I didn't even know they had that. I use Loom, but I use it as a Chrome extension. So it's not actually installed on my computer. It's just turned, it's just into Chrome. So I can just pull up Chrome and, and screen share from there. The desktop version is dope because it just lives in the menu bar. Oh, I love that. I didn't know they even had that. So that I just learned something today. Yeah, you click it. And so what I started doing is I was like, you know, I think it makes more sense. I'm still toying with this idea, but I think it makes more sense for me to get mixes from somebody, do the masters. And if I have any suggestions on things they could have done better in the mixes, then I'll use Loom and I can take Loom and I can select just the waveform part of the audio. And I use another program called Loopback from, I believe it's a company called Audiophile Engineering. Shout out to them. If you don't know what Loopback is, it's incredible. It's like a router matrix for your computer. It just makes it easy to get software from one program to another. It's kind of- Audio, yeah. I'm yeah, sorry, so, it's, it's, sorry, I'm thinking Zap. It's like the Zapier of audio. Exactly. It gets audio from one place to another, whereas you would really struggle to get the audio to move around your computer the way you want. 100%. So what makes Loom really amazing and what makes Loopback really amazing is I set up it's essentially like an aggregate audio device that's got, hey, take the output of my mastering software and the output of my microphone and then route those to Loom so that when I'm making a video for somebody that I can talk and play the actual master and then I can send them back the video. And it's, it, Loom is, makes it so easy because there's no uploading, downloading. You're just copying a link. As soon as you finish the video, it just opens a link and you can copy and paste that link to somebody. It's super easy. Yeah, it's incredible. I literally send probably 10 a week. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. So it, it's really, really, really amazing. And, you know, one of the things that I'm super jacked about with this is it lets me give real feedback. It lets me interact with the customer, which I think is just so much easier and so much more antithetical. Well, when you do it this way, they get the tonality of your voice. There's like, yes. there's emotion in it. And there's like, you can emphasize certain aspects of certain things you're saying. It doesn't come across the wrong way. So like if you were to just type up feedback in an email, you could come across as a super douche and they will never work with you again. But this allows your personality to shine through. So I, I love this idea and I don't want to stick on this for too much longer, but this is a great way to help build relationships with people that have not hired you yet. So if you're doing mixed feedback or you're doing anything earlier in the process to have a face-to-face or a voice-to-ear kind of relationship, that's a great way to do it. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. 
It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. So another idea along these lines that I've been toying with as I've been coaching people is this idea of, you know, your call to action on most websites is a quote form. And that's a great move. I've been pushing people to stay away from the quote form. Just have a easy, low friction contact form. Most people don't get enough quote requests to their site to have a fully fleshed out quote request form. I would agree with that. Less than 10 a month is kind of the bench. I say eight to 10 a month of people filling out your uh, low friction form, it's just name, email, message, that kind of thing, then stay with the low friction if you don't have more than that. Yeah, go with the low friction. Or, you know, one of the cool things about Acuity that I love, we're not sponsored by them or don't have an affiliate, I don't think. Yeah, I use Calendly if you want an alternative to that just to spite Chris. Yes, basically the same software. But you set this thing up and you could at the bottom of your webpage say, hey, schedule a call. And there's a calendar. They pick a date. There's times listed. It converts it to their time zone. And then it puts the event on their calendar. It sends them a text reminder. And then you do a phone call that way. Yeah. And there have been times, you know, when I was really pushing the low price option as far as mastering the high volume, low price thing, there'd be times where I'd be like, okay, from one o'clock to two o'clock, I'm going to have six phone calls. And they would all be scheduled for me. I didn't have to do any emails. And I used to just put the link right on my webpage. Schedule a call with me. Schedule a call with me. At this point, <laughs> keeping up with the podcast, that's not been feasible anymore. But for a lot of people, this idea of what's the reason that your website exists? What's the point? And for some people, it's to get them to fill out the quote form. For other people, it's to get them to fill out the contact form. For other people, it's to call them on the phone so that they'll pick up right then. But I think it makes a lot more sense to think of your website as the first step towards a relationship. Hmm. That's the principle. And by putting a call to action, hey, schedule a phone call, or hey, schedule a video chat. And this is where I really wanted to go with this. I think it's so cool. Hey, I'm a mix engineer. In order for me to get a quote from you, you need to send me your files, which are huge. (laughs) And it's a pain in the butt. That's a challenge. That's a point of high friction for mix engineers. I think it'd be so interesting if a lot more mix engineers are like, hey, to get a quote, make sure you have your session files. We're going to schedule a Zoom call. And then you can give me a tour of the session files that you do have over video and I can ask questions and we can build a relationship in that way. I'm going to push back on that simply because in the majority of cases when I'm mixing stuff, the person who's paying me is not the person who has the session files. That's rarely the case. And so if all of your clients are self-recording, that makes sense. But if that's not the case, what I do like and something you said that really sparked a thought in my brain is meet your customers where they are. 
Yeah. So most websites have one call to action. It's like, fill out the form, fill out the form. Whereas not everyone wants to communicate through email. Not everyone thinks that's the best way to do it. I actually like, I've never seen anyone do this and I haven't done it myself on my studio's website, but it's worth doing if you want to take the advice that just popped into my head right now, meet them where they are. So having, it's like get in touch is the call to action. And getting in touch, there's like three or four different options. It is fill out our contact form and I'll get back to you ASAP. That's one option. The other option is schedule a call with me. So you, that's the option number two is to actually schedule a call. Third option is chat in with us. So you can literally put a little chat bubble on your site that goes straight to social media. So you can actually have a social media conversation with them because most people have an Instagram or most people have a Facebook or some sort of way to communicate in real time. Or you can just put a chat widget on your site. But I like the social media thing in the context of meeting them where they are. Because the good thing about that is if they leave the site, you still have that conversation going in social media. So it's a really good place to start a conversation. I wouldn't finish the sales process there, but I would definitely uh, keep the conversation alive there to to get to know them and move it to the next step. Because when you talk about the website being the first step in building a long-term relationship, meeting them where they are at currently makes the most sense. If they're a social media person, they'd rather chat via direct message, make that an option. If they're an email type person where they live out of their inbox, give that option to them. If they're a person that needs a relationship, the face-to-face for video or the ear-to-ear for phone, make that an option. But meet them where they are. Giving them multiple options seems like a great way to maximize the chances that someone's going to start that relationship in the first place. I agree. My only pushback on that is I think the beauty of schedule a call or video chat is not many people will do that unless there's built-in intent to buy. Yeah, but I also could say that there's going to be a lot of people that would have built-in intent to buy, but they are the type of person that dreads going to get their hair cut because they're afraid they have to talk to their barber. There are like tons of conversations online about how much people hate to go to their barber because they feel- I'll just give them a virtual haircut. That's your vibrator? (laughs) (laughs) It's a haircut. Your cutter buzzer thingy, you- Back to my point. So many people are afraid to go to their barber because they're too socially awkward to carry a conversation. Like that's a real fear people have. So by forcing someone to schedule a call with you is like the worst thing you could do. It's taking someone that would love to hand you their hard-earned dollars, but because of their social anxiety, they can't pick Chris Graham because the only way they can do it is to book a call. So give them, a re- give them an option to do DMs. That's true. Well, I think what's interesting about this is we are on some level talking about niching. For me, I'm a talker. I'd love to talk. But you're making it too much about you. They don't give a shit about you or what you love. No, no. I, well, I pu- I'll have to push back on that. If my strength, if your strength lies in a conversation, I would focus on trying to win people who want conversations. If your strengths lie in amazing emails or DMs. No, because here's the thing is like you are saying, I will only date girls that are six feet tall. If they're below that, I'll never give them a chance no matter what. Mm. You're taking something about someone that is a character that they can't change or they don't want to change and saying you exclude anyone like that. Whereas there are some incredible people that are socially awkward that if you would just start the conversation via social media or text message or email, you can eventually move it to the next level of a phone call because they feel more comfortable. But to make that the Mm. first barrier to entry to me is like, no bueno, no thank you. That is like too selfish from the perspective of not thinking about the other person first. In that situation, if you were going to go that route, I would probably want to include on the website you know, send us a, you know, a message. And if you'd like from there, we can schedule a phone call. You could do a thing. I mean, with things like mini chat, M-A-N-Y-C-H-A-T, you can put a chat bot on your site. That's like, as soon as they send that first social media message, you can have it automatically be like, Hey, you want to jump on the phone yet? If not, I'll get back to you ASAP. Like you can get them to, there's a million things you can do to get them on the phone. But if someone doesn't want to get on the phone, 
Don't make them get on the damn phone. But okay, we're kind of missing the point at this point because our whole point of this is how do you build and maintain relationships online in the new normal, the COVID era? And so we've talked about some of these things and I think a lot of great stuff has been said so far, but a lot of these are one-to-one. We haven't really delved into the one-on-many side of things that I think is worth talking about. And we were talking about this podcast. Chris was like, yeah, you, you're doing this podcast. So you're building relationships with people. And that's so true. Like when we went to NAN this year, so many people knew a lot about us when we knew nothing about them. Very one-sided relationship, but people still listening to us right now, we are building a relationship with them. They get to know our thought process. They get to know the way that you and I argue with each other about things. They get to know us. So that is building a relationship. Although it is one way, it's not a true relationship. It is building a relationship with our ideal customers. And so eventually someone listening will hire you for coaching or hire you for mastering, or they'll buy one of my courses, or they'll just be a valuable part of our community on Facebook and like chat in and help other people out. But at the end of the day, we're still building relationships with these people. And so I've seen in my own community, in our Facebook group, in my chat community with Profitable Producer Course students, people that are launching podcasts for their ideal customers, people that are launching band-related podcasts or artist-related podcasts, one podcast about how to market your music, one podcast about touring, which is really tough right now because no one's touring right now. And so they're able to create content around what to do if you're a struggling touring musician that isn't able to tour right now. They're able to do all these things that are building relationships with their ideal customers, even though they're not getting a two-way conversation, it is still introducing people to them that would have never otherwise found them. Yeah. Well, and to kind of go into deeper with that, you know, since I started talking about my own mental health journey with PTSD, I've had a couple things with the podcast that have blown my mind as far as podcasting's ability to build relationships. You know, I described what my symptoms for PTSD were a couple episodes ago. And the basic idea with PTSD is you have flashbacks and they remind you of either things that happened to you or in the case of complex PTSD, which is what I have, if it's something that happened to you when you were a child, especially if it's a number of things that happened to you when you were a child, you don't remember events. You just suddenly are overwhelmed with the emotions you felt back then. And that can manifest in a lot of really crazy ways. I had a guy reach out to me. I don't want to say his name because it's private stuff, but a guy reached out to me that was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that was a thing. That's what you described or all the symptoms I've had, which blew my mind. We had a, a video chat a couple nights ago and it was wild to just hear his story and to connect over like, oh, you know me pretty well because of the podcast and you're sharing this intense part of your story. I had another thing where a guy, I'm not going to say his name either, but he booked a free coaching call with me And he knew me so well from the podcast and has a lot of similar history related to why I have complex PTSD that we started talking and we both started tearing up. It was this why, like he's on my freaking favorites on my phone, (laughs) just met. And it was wild to just to go from, hi, I'm Chris, what's your name? To, oh my gosh, this guy is like a close friend because there was only one side of getting to know you. It was just me getting to know him a little bit. He already knew so much about me and it made connecting with him so much easier. So a lot of this stuff goes hand in hand with the stuff we talked about getting on the phone or doing other things to go deeper relationship. But the podcast is a great way to start building that one relationship so they get to know you, get to like you, get to trust you so that you can talk about future things on phone calls, whether it's business or personal, you're still building a relationship with them either way. Yeah. Well, and we ran into this at NAM with Jesse Ray. You know, we had him on the show. He knew us really well from the podcast. Yeah. And we like immediately became good friends with him. I text with him all the time now, but it was because that friendship began from him listening to the podcast. 
And there is such an amazing power behind podcasting as far as like building relationships with people. So I know we've talked about this a million times, but there really is a unique opportunity to build relationships with your potential customers and your future potential friends by making content that your ideal customer would want to listen to. Yeah. And if you missed it, go back to episode 116 with Jesse Ray Ernster. That episode we did, it was titled How to Stair-Step Your Way from Local Bands to A-List Artists. Yeah, he's worked with some some big stuff like Kanye and other stuff. We get into the get into his story on that episode. So we've talked about podcasts in the past. We actually have an entire episode on this, on episode 102, why you should start a podcast for your business before it's too late. So we've been saying this since October of last year, and it hasn't changed. If anything, it's more relevant today than it was back in October. But not everyone has the gift for podcasting. Some people are too monotone. Some people are not the type of personality that will be consistent on podcasts. They're just incapable of doing that. I honestly would be like that if I didn't have a co-host to keep me accountable. Same. Even though when he's gone for four weeks at a time, whatever, for vacation. So what about those situations? Well, we thought about another way of building and maintaining relationships online in today's era, and that is Facebook communities. There have been a lot of Facebook groups launched during COVID. And I had a certain interesting thought when we were going through the pre-episode planning, and that is with every challenge that is introduced into a niche, that's an opportunity for a new Facebook group or support group for that challenge, for that specific challenge. So if you think through all of the artists that are stranded that would normally be touring, look at any city that doesn't have a support group for those artists to connect and share with each other and help each other out and just be the person that creates that group. I don't know if that exists in Nashville yet, but I know, so, I mean, 95% of Nashville's musicians are basically stranded right now with no tours to do, no industry to do anything, no, no social connections to do it in. So if that doesn't exist here in Nashville, someone needs to be on the forefront of creating that community. But every single major city should have some sort of group like this. And if they don't, be the one to create it. And it doesn't have to be just this sort of thing. This is just an example. But there's been a lot of people in our own community that have launched multiple thousand person Facebook groups, Facebook groups that are actually larger than our own Facebook group now in their own communities to support their local music scenes. So this is a fantastic way to be the catalyst for a large group in your community. And you are the owner of that group. And that's essentially an asset for you long-term. It's like a mailing list. It's like a podcast. You kind of own an audience and you can equal parts help that, but also benefit from that community as well. Yeah. You know, I think it's a fascinating time to be alive right now. COVID is awful and I just cannot wait until there's a vaccine. But COVID's forcing us to be creative. It's forcing us to grow. And that's a good thing, especially because the things that change in our society as a result of COVID, a lot of them are going to stick around. There are going to be a lot of positive changes after COVID that are going to be fantastic. And that means there's going to be a lot of new niches, a lot of new businesses, uh, new business opportunities, and ways to make your business more friendly. There's going to be positive changes. There's going to be negative changes. Like there's going to be industries and sectors that are devastated. But with all new destruction, there's new life. And we talked about this. I feel like no matter what we talk about now, we have a past episode about it. Yeah. But back on episode 135, we talked about why COVID is the final nail in the coffin for most old school recording studios and then what that means for home studio owners. So as we wrap this episode up, again, our whole thought process here is just to help you kind of get out of this funk of you're maybe sitting at home all day, you're not connecting with friends, you're not connecting with family, you're not connecting with peers, you're not connecting with potential clients. You're basically socially isolated, both physically and mentally. And I feel like this episode is a good way to kind of spur people into taking action towards connecting with not just clients, but friends too. 
Like there's a lot you could do there, but this is, I mean, we're a business podcast, so we're always going to focus on the client side of things, but there's a lot of potential things. And if we miss something, feel free to point it out in our Facebook community and tell us all the things we could have said in this episode that we didn't. But anything else you want to add, Chris, before we wrap this episode up? So we talked earlier about, you know, you've got different personalities as a business owner. You've got an entrepreneur inside of you, a manager, a technician, and an artist. Your technician does not want to talk on the phone. You should get your inner entrepreneur and your inner artist in on this conversation to talk about how much more effective it can be to just calming down and spending some time talking to other individuals about possibly working with you. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is like somebody that's running a business picks up the phone and is like, hello, thank you for calling. Well, what can I do for you? Don't use your stupid business voice. Chris, you use that voice so much. It's true. I don't think you realize it. I, I really, that's <laughs> one of my favorite fun voices to do, but don't use your stupid business voice on the phone. You don't sound like that, but you have the stupid business voice, like the sales voice. I, I, I've got a great stupid business voice. <laughs> it's like, if you want to hear Chris's stupid business voice, go watch one of his YouTube ads. Like that's his like stupid business voice. Hi, I'm Chris Graham. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Graham. If you're thinking I can your songs math, it's not what it sounds like. No, no. Anyways, just give this some thought, guys. Is it more efficient for you to build relationships and to use your website as a portal to get people to schedule a time to build a relationship with you? I think in many cases, yes. But again, Advice Buffet, it's not for everybody, but it's something you should consider. Don't just look at what everyone else is doing and copy their stupid quote form. Not that quote forms are stupid. They're fantastic. But this might be something that plays to your strengths. Give it a try. That is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I always appreciate anyone who sticks around to these outros. You never know what I'm going to say on these things. Am I going to talk about a course? Am I going to talk about a future episode? Am I going to be talking about what's happening in my personal life? Am I going to talk about FilePass again? Yet another FilePass ad. Well, here's what I'm going to talk about on this outro here. Our podcast mainly targets recording studios, mixing engineers, typical audio people, duh. But you might be surprised that we have a lot of listeners that are videographers, graphic designers, illustrators, photographers. And that's just because there are not that many people, even in these other industries, that talk about the business of freelancing period. And that's all they talk about. There's a couple of people out there in those other industries, but there's not many. So a lot of the other freelance creative worlds listen to this podcast on a weekly basis because a lot of what we talk about is universal to their businesses, translates one-to-one. So that being said, I'm looking to, to connect with any of our graphic designers who listen to this podcast, especially if graphic design is your main income or at least a significant part-time income. And the reason I am looking for graphic designers is because FilePass is moving into the graphic design market. No, don't worry if you're if you're a FilePass user in audio. Yes, we are sticking to audio. That's like our bread and butter right now. But we are opening up things to the graphic design market and we need some people to beta test some features. If you're not familiar with what FilePass is, it just allows you to send files to clients, collaborate, get feedback, go back and forth on revisions, all while protecting your files behind a paywall. And as soon as your client is happy, they can pay and then instantly download their files. It's worked great in audio so far. We're still growing in that market. Things are better than I would have expected a year in. And now we want to move into the graphic design and illustration market. And we've, we've just unlocked some new features. If you're already in FilePass as a FilePass user for audio, you can actually start using our graphic design features. Just upload some sort of image file and you can start leaving pinpoint comments directly on the image and it allows you to collaborate with clients. So just say, for example, say you're a logo designer. That's your specialty. That's your niche. You want to send an early draft, like a first draft of a logo to a client, get some initial feedback. Instead of just getting a block of feedback in an email, your client can leave little pinpoint comments. They can circle things. They can put little dots on things with comments attached to them. And all of this is behind a secure paywall. So your client cannot just run off with your files. 
We'll also have a, a watermark feature so you can just literally stick a watermark over something so you don't have to worry about them even just taking screenshots of the file. So if you want to get in on the beta for our graphic design plan, just email me, brian at filepass.com. And I would love to set you up with an account. And if possible, if you're up for it, just jump on a call and go back and forth on some ideas with you. Because we want to do exactly what we're doing with audio in the graphic design market, because so many of the features just carry over exactly from audio. So that's all I got for you on this episode. Next week, Chris and I will be back for another episode bright and early at 6 a.m. where we'll be giving you what we're calling our COVID pep talk. If COVID has you down, quarantine has you down, your business is hurting, you want some practical steps on things you can do right now to pep up a little bit, next week's episode is going to be for you, bright and early, 6 a.m. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and happy hustling. Whoa!